All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. My name is Noam, and I am your host if you're new here, and I am so, so excited that you're here. Today's episode is truly one of my favorites. We're going to do a deep dive in basically all that it means to be in your 20s and to be in your 20s and really make the most of them, make the most of them in terms of your self-growth, in terms of your productivity, but also in terms of how to make an impact on those around you and make sure that you are wishing and doing not only what's best for yourself, but making sure that you are really making an impact on your community and the world at large. But more on that later. Let's jump into our weekly catch-up because I tend to ramble and these little intersections get a little long, but maybe you don't mind. You can let me know. All right. So I am recording this from my call room in the hospital because I am on call on a Saturday and there are literally no patients in the ward. So I just do some work in my room and part of my work is to also record this podcast. So I mean, maybe there's someone in the room next door listening to me. Hopefully not. But I mean, if so, I hope they're entertained. So I've been still on my OB elective. I think I mentioned that the other episode or the episode two weeks ago. I'm about halfway through my OB elective, which is for, if anyone doesn't know, basically labor and delivery, but also some gynecology as well. And I've seen quite a few deliveries the past two weeks. I mean, actually a lot. I've had a really great experience and it's been really, really cool. And seeing a baby come out of a woman is so magical and uh, really reminds you that women are so damn powerful. Like the husbands are great. I mean, they're supporting their wives, they're holding their hands so on, but like, wow, why do we give so much power to men when women literally, literally bring life to this earth? Come on. No hate to men, no hate to men, but so much love for women. And the other crazy realization that I've had from watching many live births and C-sections and so on is that we are all literally just mammals. Like we are a mammal, right? Like a cow or a cat or a dog or a pig. And we give birth to other mammals. And it's kind of like humbling in that sense and a bit of a reality check. Like why do humans think they're so great when we're literally just another animal or just another species? It's just like a good way to look at things sometimes and be like, okay, what really matters in this world? Like, does having the nicest clothes really matter? No. Does social media really matter? No. We're literally just mammals. Do you think pigs care about their outfits and social media? No. And they're happy. And on that lovely note, um, I am also turning 23 in four days three days I don't know but either way I am terrified and I know that probably sounds young to some people and I mean this with no offense age truly is just a number is what I'm learning the more and more I grow up but it's just so crazy to me that a year has gone by since my last birthday a year ago good job Noam. good math anyways um because this year has just been simultaneously such a whirlwind but also such a standstill I do not feel like it's been a year I feel like I've grown exponentially, yet stayed in the exact same place that I was a year ago. So it's all just a lot of weird emotions. Um, but I am excited for 
another year and with things looking better in the world with the pandemic and such, I think it's going to be a really great one. Which leads us into my next little catch up, which is just my pure and utter excitement for Hot Girl Summer to commence. It is officially June 5th today as I am recording and it is officially summer. I mean, I know it's the 21st, but in my mind, June is summer. But first, I just wanted to find a little bit more what Hot Girl Summer means to me because it's not just like going out and being single and partying, which it could be. If that's what you're up to this summer, that's totally fine. But listen, as a girl working like 70 plus hours a week in a committed relationship, relationship I've had to uh, redefine hot girl summer and I pose that you redefine it however works for you and just make yourself feel good so I put this in a little Instagram caption earlier this week but I just wanted to catch you all up on the podcast as well number one rule for hot girl summer is to dress in a way that makes you feel good wear as much or as little as you want because it is your body and you should express yourself however you want whatever your summer aesthetic may be whether you're going for like the retro 90s vibe that's super in or you want to go all chic I don't know and do your thing number two is to hustle we're going to leave this summer better than how we came into it whether that's in terms of career self-growth relationships your side hustle I don't know but we're gonna make moves we're not just gonna sit around all summer we can relax of course relaxing is great we know that but we're also gonna be productive little ladies and men (laughs) and number three we're gonna say yes more we're going to take opportunities with stride because you never know which opportunities could change your life and you don't know what you're passionate about until you try it passion can only be based off of things you've already learned about or already done or already seen so how do you know that this opportunity won't be the next big thing for you what if it sparks you down a whole new life path that you never even thought to imagine we're also going to spend more time outdoors as rule number four. I swear I am just so rejuvenated by 10 minutes in the sun, especially in nature, like true nature, not just like walking down the street, but like going on a hike. I am my best self out there. It always makes me feel like grounded and like, ah, I'm so small and like the world is so big and so full of opportunity because you stand there and you look at this big waterfall or this big mountain and you're like, anything is possible. Maybe that's just me being my classic optimistic self. And finally, number five, it kind of ties into number one, but we're just going to remember that absolutely everybody you're in is your summer body and everybody you're in is your bikini body or your bathing suit body if you're a boy. All you need to do to have a bikini body, and you guys have heard this, is to just have a body, okay? Just own whatever you look like, do whatever you got to do to make yourself happy this summer. This summer is about you. All right, catch up. I think we are, we are well caught up now. Let's move on to my energy givers for the week. So I'll kind of run through this quickly because again, as usual, I am rambling. Number one, I started journaling again in my five minute journal. Absolutely love my five minute journal. It's like a pre-written prompt type of thing. You write three things you're grateful for every morning, three things you want to accomplish that day and an affirmation. Then at night you come back to it and you write three amazing things that happened that day. And yeah, I love it. It's so simple, literally takes five minutes total. And if you want to try it out too, there's a link in my Instagram bio, but you can also write out those prompts on your own, whatever works for you. But it has really helped me start the day on a positive note. The next energy giver is I updated my resume the other day, just preparing for future residency match in like six-ish months, which is so terrifying anyways. And it just feels really good to like see all your accomplishments on paper and goes back to this idea that we all kind of like don't let ourselves talk ourselves up. We try to keep ourselves small and we don't want to seem like we're bragging or being um, egotistical. So we just 
don't really talk about our accomplishments, but writing out your resume, or I guess a CV is the proper term, which means like all of your accomplishments while a resume is more condensed. Anyway, side tangent, writing out your CV really makes you realize like, wow, I have done so much more than I give myself credit for. And maybe I don't need to be so hard on myself. Maybe I can take a break because I'm actually doing pretty okay. And it also helps you realize where your gaps are. Like, huh, I have a ton of this experience, but not enough of that kind of experience. What can I do now? You know, it's just a nice little self-reflection while also being productive towards your future. Because I always recommend updating your CV every couple of months as you go so you don't forget things. Because trying to do it at a job application and think back to the past like five years is harder than it sounds. All right. The next energy giver is kind of like an overarching one. And it's kind of, I guess, accepting when nothing is really wrong. I have had a bumpy 2021, let's say, from January until maybe like May. Yeah, really until recently. Not necessarily always deep, deep in the turmoil, but just like going through different phases of good and bad and sometimes worse. But I was driving back from work the other day and I realized that, yeah, I'm still stressed about some things. I have an exam in a little bit, um, but nothing is really wrong. And I'm so kind of used to having something to worry about, to having something to be sad about, having something to be stressed about, that my brain kind of is automatically going through those stress cycles and those um, anxiety cycles and even those depressive cycles sometimes when I don't actually need to be right now. There's really nothing wrong for me to worry about. I can just like enjoy and sit back and do my work and do my extracurriculars and also just live my life and take the time when things are good and really accept that they're good. Sometimes we try to cause problems, I think, for ourselves, not intentionally, but just because we're almost used to it. I don't know if that relates to anyone else, but if you're having a harder time right now, I totally, totally get that too. But just remember that everything passes, literally everything, and you will also get to a point where you can look back and say, oh, nothing is really wrong anymore. And maybe if you thought you were having a hard time, this might kind of open your eyes as well as What's really the problem here? And this kind of goes into my energy takers is all the little stuff that you're letting stress you out. What I think to myself is if you're not going to worry about it in five hours, if it's not going to matter in five hours, don't give it more than five minutes of your energy. And don't let yourself have those little micro stressors in your day really build up to this macro stress and just kind of catch yourself. Um, that's really been helping me as well. So yeah, just don't give it more than five minutes. Like yesterday, I left work at like 6pm and I came to my car and the pottery was dead and I had to call a towing company to come and start my car and it was a whole mess and I felt myself getting really stressed and agitated and I just took a breath and in five hours when my car is jumped and everything is fine, none of this will matter. So that's my, I guess my energy taker was giving it more than five minutes. Anyways, you guys know what I mean. Another energy taker is just being too hard on myself with productivity. Like I'll get done X things in a day and still be like, well, why didn't I do X plus two? Why didn't I do X plus three? Okay, now we're getting into math and I'll stop. But just take your wins with stride. Again, there's there's a really emerging theme here of just like try to find the good in what's happening and don't always create problems because problems aren't solutions. We only want solutions here. I think I'm rambling. We're going to finish it up with our quote of the week. Now, this is something I heard on Gabby Bernstein's podcast, Dear Gabby, which I love, and you guys should totally check out. She said that um, the way we should be manifesting is not just I'm manifesting this career, I'm manifesting this relationship, I'm manifesting XYZ. 
the way to truly manifest, the overarching thing that you should be thinking about when you're trying to manifest is, I am manifesting the greatest good for all. Now, what that means is that we don't necessarily know what the best possible outcome for us could be. We don't know which relationship is going to be the best one for us. We don't know which career is the ultimately best suited and most fulfilling one for us. All we can do is manifest that things will fall where they need to fall. Because what if you're manifesting a career and actually pushing yourself away from something you might enjoy even more or a relationship you might enjoy even more? But the other part of this and manifesting the greatest good for all is also saying that in this manifestation, in trying to do and get what's best for you, also think about what's best for those around you and making sure that your wins won't take away from anyone else's. And I think once you kind of accept that mentality, that's when good comes. That's when you're actually going to be the sort of person that is ready to accept all the good. When you take away all those expectations and take away any negativity towards anyone else and just accept that you want the greatest good for all, including yourself, but also those around you, those near, those far, which all brings us to today's guest. I am super excited to introduce you guys to Shania Bopa. Now, Shania is a fellow wellness content creator, but alas, so, so much more. She's also a global health master's student. She's also the founder of the Canadian Courage Project, which is a nonprofit organization that helps provide support for homeless youth and their pets. And just tell me how amazing that is. Okay, we'll get more into that later. She's also the host of the Global Health Collective podcast. She's also currently writing a children's book. Guys, this woman does it all, and she is only 23. Now I'll also add, Shania is one of my really good friends in real life. We actually live in the same apartment building, so that's super fun. And whenever we chill, we always have the best conversations, and I literally feel like I'm listening to a podcast because we really delve deep into these topics of what it means to be successful, what our goals are, how we're going to achieve them as a fellow hustler. So I think you guys are going to really love today's episode. We talk about how to start a charity, if that's what you want to do as well, but also just how to balance having multiple passions and how to find your passion and in the process, how to avoid burnout, which if you are a busy bee as well, you will very well be familiar with this topic. All right, I will jump right into it. And yeah, welcome Shania. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Noam and with all of you who are listening and to really just chat about life and everything that we are all thinking in our 20s, and especially those of you who are in school or trying to figure out what you even want to do with your life. So I'm super excited to be here uh, in conversation. I'd love to jump in by talking more about your nonprofit organization, the Canadian Courage Project. It is so incredible the growth that you've had with this organization over the past few months. And I'd love to hear what was your inspiration behind it all and what sparked you to be like, yep, today I'm starting a nonprofit. Yeah, so honestly, I think throughout my whole life, I knew that I wanted to start a charity. It was just something that me and my mom talked about all the time, but I had no idea exactly what I wanted to focus on. And it was December of 2019. I have a younger sister named Anya. She's my co-founder and she loves animals. She actually wants to be a vet one day. And she really has, has seen through our own pets at home, the positive impact they have on our mental well-being. And so she decided alongside my entire family this one Christmas of 2019 to create care kits for homeless individuals with their animals downtown Toronto. 
And so we packed up about 50 care kits and decided to go on the streets and just like hand them out and kind of chat with the community to kind of understand, you know, what it is that brought them onto the streets of Toronto and how can we further support. And that's when it kind of clicked for her where she was like, I don't want this to be a one-time thing. Like, I want to continue to do this. And I I initially was like, okay, hold the fort. Like, this is a lot of work if you just kind of want to create care kits all the time. And that's when it kind of clicked for me that I really value the mental health aspect of health and health promotion and community engagement. And I wanted to support youth in that as well. So we joined forces, created the Canadian Courage Project, and we officially launched in May of 2020, but really got our feet off the ground in September. And so we're, we're about less than a year old, and we kind of hit the ground running. And I, um, this is a situation where it's been like I did before I thought, um, and I need to kind of take a step back and, and reframe and focus, but we can chat a bit about that later. But that's kind of how we got started. That's so incredible to hear. I mean, sometimes it just takes one little idea and just like you said, just like kind of saying yes to it and jumping in. And yeah, maybe sometimes that kind of leads to some complications down the line where you're like, oh, wow, I've started a full-fledged nonprofit and it's a lot of work, but you guys are doing really incredible things and it's so great to see and see it grow. Thank you. Yes, it's definitely a process. Um, And I think really with the nonprofit world, you have to be passionate about it to start mm-hmm. and to focus. Um, yeah. So you're mentioning that it's maybe more work than you anticipated, or there's some additional challenges kind of coming up now. S- regarding the actual logistics of getting started and starting your own charity, what would you say has been the biggest hurdle or any advice you'd give to someone who's interested in doing the same? Mm-hmm. I think the one thing for anyone who's listening who is interested in starting a charity is really find your niche and find a gap in the market. There are some amazing organizations, at least if you're in Canada or in Ontario, that are supporting very wide populations. And the reason we chose to focus on homeless youth and their animals is because they are often the group that falls through the cracks in the system. They have to choose between feeding themselves or feeding their animal and we understand through research that animal companions can be so promotive to one's mental well-being. So why would we promote surrendering them when we should be promoting ownership? And mm-hmm. um, that kind of, so find find a gap in the market, definitely. And then in terms of logistics and getting started, to be a registered charity, you kind of have to go through a couple phases of applications in regards to like the government of Canada's like, like regulations. So it kind of starts with getting your your business number, your incorporation number, and then after about six months of operation, you can then apply to have a charitable organization number. Once you have your charitable organization number, now this is a lot of paperwork along the way, mm-hmm. but it's definitely worth it. Um, then you kind of have to wait to be a registered charity listed on the Canadian government's website to then issue tax receipts. And that can take up to two years of operations. And the reason you kind of need to be registered, et cetera, is if you want to start applying for grants in later down the line, um, you do have to be registered. And so currently for us, we are completely fundraiser, like donation based um, until 
we qualify at the one year mark to then be applying for the government grants and opportunities for funding. So that's the logistics, I I guess. Yeah, that's the logistics on, I guess, getting started. Um, And then obviously like finding a team of volunteers who are passionate about your organization, your mission, and who are willing to support you in the process and along the way. Totally. Yeah, I think that's so interesting how you mentioned the additional hurdles that youth Uh, facing homelessness who have pets are dealing with that we don't really think about. I mean, another one that comes to mind for me as well is I know a lot of shelters for youth and in general won't accept people with pets. So it's kind of giving them those extra steps to jump. And it's also giving them something to know that's their own. And I think that can be so important when, when you have so little control of your life and being able to keep children with their pets is such an incredible accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I I really think that for a lot of people, their pet is the only support that they have. Mm-hmm. And and if you have an animal at home, you kind of understand if, if you're feeling upset or you're feeling sad one day, like your pet is really such a good form of support and comfort. And research has shown just the amazing benefits for one's mental well-being, whether, you know, whether you're someone listening on this podcast or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really going back to, we know this is true, so why aren't we doing anything about it? I know recently you guys also expanded to start offering workshops to disadvantaged youth, both in Ontario, Canada, and around the world. So this is a newer endeavor to my understanding, and I'd love to hear more about what you feel is the educational gap in today's youth, Mm -hmm. or in today's youth's education. Yep, so one thing, and this may sound super ignorant, but I graduated high school not understanding that there were youth facing homelessness right in my own neighborhood. I I didn't really see that as something that was real. You know, you see on the news that homelessness is affecting people all across the world. You think it's an issue that's only happening overseas, but these global health issues actually happen, happen locally, happen to our neighbors and our peers and our friends in our classrooms. And that really, really kind of struck me that we aren't taught about these global issues in our formal education. And Mm -hmm. if you are taught it, you probably chose like an optional course or some sort of micro credential, but it's not ingrained in our formal education. And so the first workshop that we are kind of working towards uh, administering is for grade 10 students and specifically in their careers workshop. And it's to fill the gap that exists in the current education system in regards to global health, global issues and how we can tackle those locally and how we need to kind of break the gender, the gender, I guess, uh, stereotypes with various jobs and how we can integrate the sustainable development goals in our jobs, in our everyday lives while contributing to our community, but also feeling fulfilled in whatever it is that we choose to do as a career. So that's the first workshop to be administered across Canada. Uh, We also host mindfulness and art workshops specifically for youth in shelters. And right now we are working with another organization to create a workshop specifically for high school students in low income areas. Um, Everything covering mental health promotion and access to resourcing and how to promote your mental well-being with limited resources and and what that kind of looks like. Um, So those are our three that we're kind of focusing on. And then we do present at global conferences to engage with youth around the world and really empower individuals. I think there is so much room for for youth to be in places where decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. And that's something I honestly still feel like 
I'm disadvantaged for being young and having dreams and people not taking you seriously because you are young. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned so many interesting points there. Something that I think I've been thinking a lot about since being in medical school is this idea that global is local. You are living on the globe. You don't have to travel around the world to help someone. You can literally go to your own backyard. You can go to your neighbor. You can go to anywhere and and provide your aid in places where it can be most quickly accessible and effective. I think when people have these ideas of I want to start a charity, they they think that it has to be this grand thing that they need to be able to give care packages, let's say, to every child in all of Canada, or every child in all of North America. But even if you can help one shelter, that's going to make the biggest difference. So it's it's sometimes starting small and and allowing it to snowball and see where it goes, but also recognizing that even that impact can be really monumental. Exactly. And I think that we often think that oh, it's already being done. So why should we put our efforts in that direction? And what's the point? Because there's probably an organization that exists anyways. But I think that's where it comes back to, if you're passionate about something, you can take it in any direction that you please and make that difference that you that you really want in the world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it goes back to, I think the difference between a kid who finishes high school and thinks that they can achieve anything they want and has this sort of idealistic mentality. The difference between them and and a kid who feels like the world won't let him achieve anything and he should just kind of give up and accept accept where he's at is just being told that he can't and being provided the tools they need to make this change. And those tools aren't anything miraculous. It's not like a secret sauce that they're missing. It's really just empowering them to say your voice is important and you can make a change by simply deciding that you want to and taking that first step. I agree. And I think that for me, at least one thing I wish I had more of was empowerment in my formal education and kind of embedded and also um, the opportunity to find mentors. It's really creating hurdles that don't need to be there in many cases. It, we should just have programs to provide mentorship that are ingrained into our educational system. We don't need to have children needing to seek it out and search for it. And I think that's exactly what your organization is providing. And that's really incredible. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> All right. Well, we can change gears a little bit, but I will definitely leave um, Instagram handle and website to your organization in the description if anyone wants to learn more or see if there's any opportunities to get involved because it's really such a great cause. But as I mentioned, you have the Canadian Courage Project, but you also have a podcast and Instagram account and you're writing a book and you're doing your master's and you're doing all of these (laughs) great things. How do you balance it all? And where does the drive come from to do all of these different endeavors? So I would be lying to say that I balance everything all the time. I think, honestly, I don't balance it all the time. And I think that's honestly the beauty of the process of growing and building my my truest self but in terms of what motivates me and drives me I just honestly I I want to feel like and this might sound a little melancholy but if I died tomorrow I want to feel like I made an impact and Mm -hmm. I just want to feel like I supported someone and I helped someone or I inspired someone or I empowered an individual to uh, 
you know, think about health or, or think about resources or think about changing the world. And I think that's why I have all of the like list of endeavors that I currently am engaging in. And, but I, I really do think um, it's all grounded under the same theme. So I'd say my mm-hmm. theme is like ch- children, youth, mental health, um, and really giving people the information I wish I had growing up and being a role model that I wish I wish I had personally. And I think in terms of balance, it's really finding what works for you. And the way I think about balance is if you started to practice running 5K. So the first time you run 5K, it's so awful. Like it is so tiring. You literally cannot do it and you feel like you're going to die. However, if you continue to practice that five kilometer race or run every week on a weekly basis, you have a routine. By the end of the month, that 5K is so much easier. And so that's the way I think about workload. I think about, okay, let's say if I do cross 10 things off my list every day, the first time I do 10 things in one day, I'm exhausted. But if I continuously build that resilience and build up the mental strength to accomplish those 10 things off my to-do list every day, it'll get so much easier. And that's where you kind of start to grow and build. And then you can do 11 things and then you can do 12 things. You're learning something from every single thing you're putting your energy into. And I think you won't, I I think you told me this, Noam, is you won't know something's your passion until you try it. So why not try everything in your 20s? Yeah, I mean, it's a fine balance between that advice and also, like you're saying, totally crashing and burning, which <laughs> I feel like we both experienced in our in our own ways. But yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's tough because I feel like society really pressures us these days to niche down. And especially with job markets being so saturated in literally every single field in the world, whether it's in the nonprofit world, like you were saying, or in medicine, or in technology, or social media, or law, or teaching, or whatever it is, seems like there's no jobs anywhere. And if you don't have a niche and something unique to bring to the table, what are you doing? But at the same time, how are we supposed to find our niche if, if we haven't really tried things? Like, you might think you love, let's say, owning a nonprofit, and maybe you do, but what if there's something else that one day you'll try and be like, wait, this is way better. This is way more suited for me. So it's balancing saying yes to opportunities, I think, and trying things out, but also knowing where your own limitations are, I guess. I think too, it comes with experience. Like, for example, if you've tried 10 different things, um, for example, you tried art, you tried music, you also tried science, and you know, after years of trying all of those things that really one of them you don't love, then you can kind of cross it off your list. And kind mm-hmm. of folk, I, I think for me, at least I'm, I'm 23. I'm actually starting to feel a bit more quote unquote focus. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I feel like if someone looked at the list of things I did, they'd probably be like, you are not focused whatsoever. But I mean, I think I'm getting there. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of that niche aspect, I think it's driven by passion and you will almost figure out your own niche along the way. Like I'm sure Noam, a year ago today, you might have loved 10 different things and now you love eight. So you're slowly niching down. (laughs) Slowly but surely. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. I think again, it's remembering that we are so young and whether you're listening to this and you are older than 23 or younger than 23 or 23, but 
you have all the time in the world if it means finding something that truly makes you happy. So yeah, maybe you can't get everything done as best as you can when you're doing so many things. But if that's what's working for you, then it's tough. But I think it's just drowning out that noise and those pressures telling you to find your niche or to just find a job and just go for it. Or what are you doing? But yeah, I totally, totally get that. I also think like living with purpose is a lifelong project. And it really requires persistence Mm -hmm. on your part. So understanding like you need to begin to act the way you want to feel and like I guess honestly the biggest piece of advice that I've been implementing is not fearing failure and I've started to love failure interesting do tell more (laughs) so the concept of failure I feel like all my life I was a scared to take a class that I thought I'd be bad at so I just avoided it altogether or did a dance class or did a, a new routine that I was like not good at whatsoever but thought of failure should be reframed in the sense that failure means that you tried and failure means that you are gaining a learning experience from whatever it is Mm -hmm. you put yourself in and I saw this statistic and it was pretty much like the top one percent of people in the world are actually the people who failed the most along their journey but never let it deter them and I think Mm -hmm. that's where there's a difference between putting yourself in positions to fail and take your, your main takeaways being really negative. But if you can make sure that your main takeaways are fairly positive and you can reframe them in a way that this is an opportunity to grow, then you are doing yourself a, you're, you're offering yourself an advantage moving forward because you've experienced what it's like to receive feedback and refine Mm -hmm. your skills and refine the way that you frame yourself for example in an interview or whatever it is totally I mean I think when we all think back of a time where we didn't get what we wanted like there's that classic quote of like remember the time where you like you thought you wanted that I'm not I'm totally butchering it but you guys know what I mean like there's things we thought we wanted whether it's a relationship or a position in a club or a job or getting into a certain school and we thought that it was the best choice for us and we were so crushed when it didn't work out but then a few months a few years down the line you find yourself somewhere else that you wouldn't have gotten to otherwise and you think wow thank god I didn't get what I almost wanted oh I think that's the quote (laughs) whatever you guys know what I mean (laughs) Um, but yeah I remember a few months ago I was talking to my boyfriend and I was telling him I'm like I don't really have distinct memories of failure in my life. And he was like, what, Noam? And I'm like, hey, let me rephrase. Obviously, I have not always gotten what I've wanted. I've made mistakes, of course. I've I've gone for, for things that I didn't get or whatever it may be. But it's almost like I've reframed all these things in my mind as such positive experiences because they've always been experiences of growth and experiences of finding something that's better suited to me that – it doesn't even feel like a failure in my mind. Like, of course, when I really think about it, I can be like, oh, yeah, like, I remember that time that I didn't get the job. Or like, I remember that time that I got a bad grade on my essay. But really, it's not something that that I really hold on to anymore. So I totally agree with kind of reframing that world and just seeing failures as opportunities for growth. That's really all they are. I agree. And I really think that like, Energy flows where intention goes, but also things happen in divine order. And this is something my parents tell me all the time is everything happens in the order that it's supposed to. So, for example, I didn't Mm -hmm. get um, a speaking 
position like to be on a panel pretty much I was telling my parents I was like I technically check all the boxes how did I mess this up like how did I not get what I wanted and I really I honestly I cried (laughs) I cried cried when I didn't get that one and that was admit it own it (laughs) it was honestly one of the first times I've cried about you know getting something because I really really wanted it um and my dad was just kind of saying and my dad actually texts me every morning like an inspirational quote but that day I was on the phone <laughs> with him and he Thank was you. like yeah he was like tonight everything happened in divine order just because it didn't happen to you right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen next year or it's not going to happen the year after and it's going to happen in a place mm-hmm. where it is actually meant for you and totally. I was like wiping my tears thank you for the pep talk dad <laughs> <laughs> Um, no but it's true I mean my one of my favorite quotes recently has been you have never lost something that was not meant for you because it's not a loss right and I think yes this can get super spiritual and voodoo whatever but I really I really believe it's true because I'm not saying that the universe is intentionally acting in a certain way but I think things do fall into place in some sort of way and I suggest just kind of letting things flow but yeah, because he's just say you, you might get this position next year. And by next year, your charity will be so much more well established, and you'll have more connections and more information and you going to that conference next year instead of this year will lead to you meeting someone who might be your future employer or your future collaborator or giving you a new idea for your next big projects. I really love that perspective. Like I said before, energy flows where your intention goes. And I do think to a certain extent, we control a lot of our outcomes. But to say that we control 100% of our outcomes, I don't believe. But I do mm-hmm. think that our our energy and our and honestly having good intention and grounding it. Um, I I was doing some like ethical theory research recently, and the utilitarianism ethical framework pretty much describes that if you are doing something to promote the greater good of humanity, you will be rewarded with that positive feeling or positive emotion or Um, Mm -hmm. a positive response so kind of framing your intention with everything that you're doing and you should overall be rewarded with the things that are meant for you for sure I mean I always have believed in karma I mean despite any other spiritual beliefs so I do think that just kind of carrying yourself with with kindness and with your true purpose really really attract that back because people can just sense that you know when you're walking down the street when someone is warm and giving and you just smile back and I that's really cheesy but (laughs) well I think it also ties to like the knowledge of self is the key to your success story so if you can ground yourself in that pure good intention that positive feeling that like I really think energy is something that if you like someone walks into a room you can feel their vibe that sounds super weird but like it's something that like you evoke a certain energy frequency and um trying to be the most positive self you can in any situation can only get you get you far I totally agree I think that's a really great perspective and it's almost just a simple mindset shift that can really impact our whole day and our whole lives but I really want to go back to what we spoke about earlier when you mentioned that sometimes yes it's really great and exciting to have all these things on your plate but it can end up at the risk of burnout. So I know it's something you talk a lot about on your Instagram and kind of how you've dealt with burnout, your experiences with it, how you manage it. And I'd love for you to share more of that with everyone listening because 
I think it is a very real feeling, especially in these days of staying home a lot, online school, you know, you know the drill. Yeah. I, okay, so if anyone knows me or follows me on Instagram, you know burnout is such a frequent conversation recently, and I hate that it's a frequent conversation, but here we are, and I do want to kind of preface this, like, everything that um, I kind of think of in terms of health is influenced by my mom, who's a naturopath, and my sister, who is a physician, so I'm that kid that, like, I don't really Google things. I just kind of FaceTime both of them or like text them and kind of say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm feeling like X, Y, Z. And then they respond with like recommendations, thoughts, and like their perspectives. Um, So one thing that they've kind of helped shape me to, to realize is that if you are consistently trying to sprint, you will burn out life is more of like this marathon and feeling like you can sustain your energy. And one thing that there's a couple things that they recommended. And along the years, I've kind of figured this out, but I was a kid that literally, like I had insomnia. I didn't sleep till I was 18. And um, especially with burnout, allowing your body to really relax. And I don't mean that the relax where you're kind of sitting there scrolling on TikTok. I mean, really taking time away from a screen being present with your thoughts whether it's like reading something like a like a rom-com book or like some Nicholas Sparks or sleeping that extra couple hours every day one thing that I implemented was and especially at peak burnout um was not setting an alarm going to bed did you did you hear okay um so yeah going going to to bed trying to create a sleep like a sleep hygiene routine and going to bed around the same time and trying to wake up at the same time, but not setting an alarm, really focusing on that sleep, that time to recharge. And I know this is something that no one wants to do when they're feeling burnt out, but exercise, like even if it's a 20 minute walk every day, try to incorporate some sort of movement. It is great for your lymphatic system. It is great for your mental well-being. It is great for your cardiovascular health and just really allowing yourself to be present in that in that exercise. Um, another thing I think of is consumption. So this might sound a little bit abstract, but bear with me. <laughs> you are consuming everything mm-hmm. at all times. So you are consuming your friends' thoughts who are, you know, texting you in your classes, you're chatting with on the internet, you are consuming the energy from those friends, you are consuming the energy from like, let's say negative social media posts, or like TikToks that make you feel a certain way. Um, You are also consuming food, and you are consuming water and sleep and, and knowledge. And so if you think about everything that you consume on a daily basis from food to thoughts and feelings, that list can be really, really long, especially if you spend an hour or two on TikTok like we all do right now during quarantine. Um, So thinking about that consumption Mm -hmm. and how you can minimize the consumption to make it proactive to mental well-being and calmness. So maybe you need to take a couple days and recharge your social battery. Now, not really communicating with the friends that get you down or the friends that are honestly not the most positive or... And, and really filling that time with some growth opportunities and, and mindfulness opportunities. Um, I just went on a tangent, but that, yeah, those are some of my main takeaways from burnout. <laughs> and we love it. 
We love it. I think to summarize, it's really just prioritizing yourself for a little bit. Don't try to follow anyone's prescription of what to do and how to be well and all these things. Just think of what makes you feel good and what drains you. And and sometimes we have to admit to ourselves the things that we love or people that we love can be draining at times. I mean, let's say for myself, posting on social media sometimes is draining and I just have to say, look, I'm just not going on Instagram or TikTok for the next few days. I just can't do it. Or sometimes it's a certain friendship. If your friend is is kind of in a bad mindset herself and you want to be there to support her, but if that's also draining you, it's also putting up those boundaries, of course, respectfully and, and making sure they're okay. But I think at the end of the day, it's like treating burnout is just putting yourself first for once because it's really what happens when you stretch yourself mm-hmm. too thin across I agree. everything I also, yourself. One thing that I, I think of when I think of burnout is letting a stressor be your cue to engage in positive thoughts that take you in the direction you want to go in. And I think with burnout specifically, you're going to feel so many, so many negative feelings throughout your peak burnout, especially. And like the feeling of guilt and then the feeling of like not being able to work at your highest capacity or like your, your, your most optimal performance. Um, And I think it's taking a step back and like Noam saying, putting yourself first and really understanding like everything in your orbit cannot work without you. And you need to be at your most optimal state mentally, physically to produce the things you want to produce, whether it's like podcast episodes, content or homework, honestly, anything. Mm hmm. Even being just present in your relationships, being a good daughter, a good sister, a good girlfriend, all these things need you to be recharged. So it's okay to step away from those at times to kind of find that mental battery within yourself. I think burnout's a funny thing because we're all well aware of depression and anxiety, but burnout, I feel like is something that at least not, I find, I find that in the educational setting, so like university, maybe even postgrad, it's not really spoken about. People talk about it in the workplace, but being a student can also be really <laughs> burning these days. Is that the right way to use the word burning? Anyways, you guys know what I mean. So definitely just find a day this week, cut yourself some slack if you're able to, because at the end of the day, it's just going to make you more productive. And I you're think the too, best being of mindful of the fact that we are, at least if you're on Ontario, you are spending so much more time on your, on your computer uh, than you would normally. And so I, mm-hmm. I know you, you do forget that like you, you, you are not humanly supposed to be working 24 seven. Like, even if it's like, oh, casual work while watching TV, mm-hmm. it's still taking up your percentages from your overall energy battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something I definitely struggled with during quarantine myself is because you there's literally nothing to do and you're always home is putting up these boundaries of when to stop working. I think it's easier if you have like a nine to five job or something, but if you're a student or even if you're working, but you're also like doing a side hustle, you're studying at the same time, what's to stop you from studying all of Friday night and Saturday and Sunday if there's literally nothing else to do? There's really not much stopping you because at least I'm sure you guys can all understand if you've been in university, there's always more work to be done. I've never like finished my work. It's almost just like I do enough that it's okay <laughs> that I don't finish it. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's putting up those boundaries and kind of being proactive with your wellness these days to, to make it through because yeah, we've been in COVID for a year and it's, it's been a while and we've adjusted, but like, it doesn't mean that it's not hard anymore. Like it's still weird and it's still different. And there's still a lot of extra stressors in your daily life that weren't there in exactly. 2019 and beforehand. I totally agree. Well, we have totally, totally destroyed this topic of burnout <laughs> in every direction, but it's really just all we talk about because we got to figure it out. Um, but we can sum things up really quickly. I would love to hear kind of what's your non-negotiable wellness tip. So like proactively, what do you do every day to keep you well? I would or say at least my non-negotiable, that that's pretty much been my non-negotiable kind of ingrained in the way I was raised and who I am today is eat in colors. <laughs> so my family always says, and we kind of Ooh. like we're raising my sister just had a baby. And so we're trying to teach him like healthy habits and, and um, healthy associations with food. But it's eating colors. So Aww. almost mm. make like a, a little challenge for yourself and eat as many colorful things you can throughout your day. Because the colorful things are what's filled with nutrients, micronutrients and all the vitamins that you need. And so that's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. I really try to hit every day. And I, um, I don't really micromanage kind of specific colors but it's just thinking in colors (laughs) (laughs) when you have a checklist but like would you say that there's a color there's a vegetable for every single color like I feel like like you can think of a few that you can find like I think you can but that's really you can find a lot of vegetables (laughs) other than blue and there's no blue fruit either right no but they're actually purple blueberries (laughs) <laughs> I feel like it depends sometimes they're blue sometimes they're the definitely blue can be blue sometimes but the the core yeah. is, is purple <laughs> the core is okay. green I don't know what blueberries blueberries <laughs> I'm like are we eating the same I will fruit? find you blueberries and cut them open and show you next time I see you like when they're really fresh, they're like kind of green on the inside, like um, clear and green. Like a grape? <laughs> okay. Bro, I'm going to send you a picture. <laughs> okay, anyways, this is not the point. All right, so the final question is kind of on a similar scope. What is your favorite quote or piece of advice? I have two. So the first one. I feel like was curated in one of our conversations Noah, over the last couple months and <laughs> and we oh my God, yeah, I'm so and it's now something I think about all the wow. time is not taking advice from people who aren't in positions you admire slash would like to be in uh, so this one gets me yes. so fired up because I'm like Screech. if you want to be a vet do not take advice from someone who didn't go to vet school or didn't go through the process and wanting to be a vet too if you want to start a blog do not ask your Mm -hmm. 50 year old cousin who never started a blog only ask advice from someone who has gone through that process Mm -hmm. and understands your motive understands your passion and I think one thing that I've learned like along my years is just because someone's family just because someone's your old friend does not mean that they know better than someone who is in a position you'd like to be in And I think sometimes we like 
I'll put perspectives from like my siblings or like my family members above someone who's actually in the, in the industry I want to work in because for some reason I'm like oh well they're my family like they know what's best for me but I really don't think that's the case all the time um most of the time obviously but like I think it just depends so that's one piece of advice and then the second one my dad says all the time and it's the world is your classroom and by that he means experiential learning will take you further than any textbook um any book any sort of sit down in a classroom or a lecture like getting as much experience under your belt and finding what fuels your soul totally I I really love that and I think it's something to to really like guide your your life in in all aspects and I'll also add that sometimes even people within the field let's say or doing the job that you want even then you can still be deliberate and discriminate who you want to take advice from are they in the field you want, let's say, or they a vet, but they don't have a family that wasn't their priority. So they made decisions based off what their priorities were, or they're a vet, but they want to practice in a way that you don't really believe in or whatever it may be. And it's, it's just remembering that you need to follow advice from people for sure. But also remember that your path is going to be unique. And you can't copy and paste someone else's life onto yours and expect the same results you have to recognize that you have unique attributes and you're going to have unique hurdles and and to just be open-minded yes, and, and I flexible agree and not being too hard well. on yourself in that process you know life is a learning journey mm-hmm. your life is like one big book and every chapter you know you go to the next chapter you'll learn something different um yeah I mean really I think the themes of today themes of today are just don't stop learning yes failure is yeah. fun you can just <laughs> quote that make put it on a sweater failure is fun failure is a great thing and put yourself first from time to time because you got to fill your cup before you I can love that yes fill your cup fill your cup tonight if you're listening <laughs> fill your cup don't spill. fill your cup <laughs> yeah. don't spill hey, it. that can be on the back of the shirt <laughs> on the front can be failure's fun and on the back fill your cup don't spill it and then yeah. just on the bottom somewhere just no mention Shania's life <laughs> advice take with discretion <laughs> well all right we can wrap it up here because this is getting quite lengthy but honestly I thought we would go off on I'm more really tangents than we did so I'm pretty went, and I'm us. really proud of everyone who's taking the time to listen to grow to learn to feel and I just want to say you're doing amazing I'm like this isn't about me but I'll take it Anyways, thank you so, so much again for coming on today. It's always so fun to catch up, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening into our little convos. I hope you took something away from this episode, something to better yourself, to better the community around you. Either way, I am so happy you're here. Feel free to check out Shania and her socials down in the description. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at You Are Not Too Busy Podcast and make sure to download and come back for the next episode. All right, guys, have an amazing week. I love you all. Bye.